welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 24 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Monday. I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope my show can bring a little joy to your day on this gloomy Monday. It's supposed to snow later here in the DMV. Uh, we'll see about that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we've barely had any snow this year. Uh, damn global warming. But, um, It'll be nice to see a little bit of snow tonight. Uh, I was looking at my weather app um, a little earlier today, and uh, it's it's supposed to rain. Well, now it says rain around 5 o'clock, but it turns into snow around 6 o'clock. We'll see how much snow um, we get. It's apparently, it's going to be a mix of rain and snow. I'm looking forward to that tonight. Uh, but what, what am I, Jim Cantor or whatever his name is? This isn't a weather podcast. This is a sports podcast, and we're here to talk sports. Specifically today, the AFC and NFC Championship game. Not in that order, actually. We're going to talk about the NFC Championship game first, and then the AFC Championship game, because that was the order that they were played in. And, um, you know, there's some other little things in sports as well. Um, honestly, I didn't see any of the McGregor fight. It was on way too late. Lately, uh, I've been going to bed very early, like much earlier than normal. Like, for somebody who doesn't work a whole lot, I've been going to bed very early, even for these Knicks games on the West Coast. Like, last night, the Knicks played the Trailblazers, and I barely made it to the end of the first quarter. I was so tired. Like, I, I just go, it's just who I am now. I'm an old man. I go to bed early at this point. So, um, I did not stay up for the McGregor-Poirier fight. Um, I didn't see even, I didn't even see any of the undercard, but uh, McGregor did lose. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, him lying down like that. In a week that saw Bernie Sanders become a meme, I think Conor McGregor, unfortunately, is also going to become a meme the way he was down in the fetal position like that after losing the after getting knocked out by Poirier. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say on it. You know, I do like McGregor. I'm Irish, so I, I root for the guy. I want the guy to do well. He, in the past, has been a little bit of an asshole. Like he he does he definitely had a reputation that um was not good, but, um, you know, I, I was kind of like, like, he seems a lot calmer going into this fight, he, he seemed like he was more chill, um, Poirier, like, at their weigh-in the other day, Poirier gave, um, gave McGregor a bottle of hot sauce, and he was overjoyed, he was over the moon, he acted like it was the greatest thing that ever happened, like, it was the greatest gift he had ever received, so, um, it seemed like McGregor had changed, but, um, Results didn't show in the octagon, unfortunately, for McGregor, as uh, Poirier really beat his ass. Um, I think McGregor, I was, see, I, was, I was seeing things that McGregor, they said he won round one, but then Poirier just knocked him out in round two. Um, so I really, I'm not an expert on, on UFC at, in any way, shape, or form, but I wanted to comment on this uh, just to get us started. Uh, congrats to D Diamond Dustin Poirier on his win. Um We'll see. I we'll see if McGregor bounces back from this. You know he's retired and unretired millions of times at this point. Like nothing's new from McGregor, but um, we'll see. We'll see uh, what he ends up doing and if he can come back from this. Sets up for a, a good trilogy because McGregor beat Poirier the first time. I believe it was six years ago, and then they fought again on Saturday. There could be a good potential trilogy match. I'm sure Dana White is uh, looking forward to potential trilogy between uh, McGregor and Poirier. Uh, but enough UFC, this, you know, I really don't know a whole lot of UFC. I think I've introduced the podcast long enough now. Why don't we jump right into it, folks? You know what you're here for. You're here for the best football coverage around. And today we're going to be talking about the NFC and the AFC championship games. Our Super Bowl matchup is set, folks. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll be talking about how those two teams got here right now. 
obviously we're going to start with the NFC Championship game, not just because it was a much better game than the AFC Championship game was. We're going to start with the NFC Championship game because it was the first game played, um, but it was a much better game than the AFC Championship game was, in my opinion. Um, I really did not think... Um, you know, this was a lot. There was a lot of back and forth with this game. Uh, it was it was a really good battle between two of the best of all time, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady though is clearly after this game starting to pull away. I mean, after the first half, the Buccaneers had um, starting with that touchdown from Mike Evans that really kickstarted things going um, in the first quarter. That was like the first shot fired. The defense by the Packers. I don't know the name of the corner who was covering Mike Evans on that play. Um, not good. Not not very good for sure. Um, I thought the coverage was very bad. Um, very bad on that play. And um, Evans, you know, he's one of the best wide receivers in football. Um, and he was able to get open behind the defender and uh, catch that. I thought that was the first sign. You know, even though there was a lot, a lot of game left to play and a lot, a lot more action to go, uh, I think that was the first sign, in my opinion, that Tampa or that Green Bay was in trouble in this game. That Tom Brady came to play. I mean, uh, he's Tom Brady. He's the greatest postseason quarterback of all time. Uh, um, and then you know, the first half, uh, you know, it, it was it was good. Um, in the second quarter, at least, every team had a you know an answer for each other. Um, MVS had a fifty-yard touchdown from Aaron Rodgers to tie the game. Uh, that was a beautiful touchdown. You know. Um, Eric Hubs, who's a Yankee blogger, um, he, for Barstool, um, he's also a Packers fan. And, um, he was talking about how you live with M Marquez Valdez Scandling's, you know, drops and misplays for moments like that, a 50 yard touchdown from Aaron Rodgers, And, um, that tied the game up for the Packers. And then, um, Playoff Lenny, again, with a, a beautiful 20-yard touchdown run where he was just bouncing off defense. Oh, that was a great... That play is going to get forgotten, unfortunately, because of what happened later in the game. But that was a really nice run by Leonard Fournette, um, who's really getting a nice opportunity to shine with this Bucks team. Um, a lot of, that's the good thing about Tom Brady is that when he's, when he's your quarterback, the wealth gets spread around a lot. And um, it happened again with playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. A 20-yard touchdown run for the Buccaneers uh, to give them a 14-7 lead. And then, really, the turning point of the game, Crosby kicked a field goal to make it 14-10. But the turning point of the game was right at the stroke of halftime when um, uh, Packers are driving. They're driving to take the lead, and Rodgers throws a pick to Chris Murphy bunting. Now, there was a hold on that play, folks. There's no question about it. Like it, I've seen the replay. That was a hold. The, uh, the Buccaneers definitely got away with a hold on that play. And there's no other way around it. Even the biggest Bucks fans in the world, even Lee Ulica, who's a big Bucks fan and friend of mine, um, and Mike's, um, is probably admit that there was a hold on that play. But the Bucks get away with it, and they set up in you know another good field position for Brady. And right on the stroke of halftime, a 39-yard Hail Mary bomb to not Mike Evans, to not Chris Godwin, to not Rob Gronkowski. Scotty Miller makes a Hail Mary catch with one second left to give the Buccaneers a 21-10 lead. I was talking to Michael Edgley at the time. He said that was one of the most impressive drives I've ever seen. And you know what? 
What more can you say about the GOAT, Tom Brady, 43 years old, still having big moments like this in the NFC Championship game. You know, he is a legend, and this was his moment for sure. And, um, you know, and it was it was just, a, you know, that was when I started to think the Bucks might have this. You know, that play happens. It seems like all the momentum's on their side. They get away with the holding call and the interception. No call, which has happened a few times to the Bucks this postseason, let's be real. And, um, and they're just starting to get every break. And they've got the GOAT on their side, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay. So they get this touchdown from Scotty Miller, which I think is the absolute game-changing. I think this, you know, this really was, I don't want to say, like, the dagger for Green Bay because they did come back, but it was really tough for Green Bay to come back in this game um, after that play. And then um, for third quarter, Aaron Jones fumbles, um, which is another huge mistake. You know, Aaron Jones has been Mr. Reliable all season for the Packers, a great running back, a security blanket for Rodgers. Uh, when the passing game isn't going his way, um, he fumbles and Cameron Brait, um, then they score right away. The Buccaneers scored right away on a Cameron Brait touchdown. That made you know that made the score twenty eight to ten, um, and there was really you know even though the Packers did come back in this game a little bit, you know it felt safe because of Tom Brady and how good Tom Brady was in that first half, especially Tom Brady was phenomenal. Um, looking like still the best of all time. And then, um, the second, you know, as the second half goes on, um, you know, the, the Packers do get back into it. Uh, Robert Tanyan caught a touchdown pass from Rogers and then, uh, Devante Adams, uh, caught a touchdown pass to make it 28 to 23, but they missed the two point conversion. St. Cloud. I think the receiver is for the Packers. He dropped that wide open. Like, how do you drop that, bro? That's a wide open touchdown, and you blew it, man. You a wide open two point conversion, and you blew it to drop a pass like that in such a huge spot. It would have made it a field goal game, and he dropped it. That wouldn't be the only questionable uh, call from the Packers. Uh, we'll be talking about that in just a second. But that was a huge moment in this game, honestly, because that reaffirmed. I mean, all the momentum after that touchdown was on um, Green Bay's side. And then they missed the two-point conversion. Sloppy football from the Packers. And, you know, there was sloppy football from Tom Brady in the second half, too. He threw three interceptions in this game. I don't want to, you know, I have been kind of putting Tom Brady on a pedestal in this game. But he did throw three interceptions, including two very bad second half interceptions. But um, you know, and then um, then in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the Packers were driving. Uh, the suck up made a field goal. Um, I was at, another thing I was talking to Mike about yesterday was how the Buccaneers have always had issues with kickers um, for years and years and years. It has been a problem for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and. Um, they finally seem to have a reliable, good kicker in Ryan Suckup. He seems to be the answer for them. He makes the field goal to make it 31-23. Um, and then the Packers drive. Now there's two things I want to talk about on the Packers drive uh, to potentially tie the game. Um, first off, I've seen the picture of that's been posted on Barstool and a few other um, internet outlets. Uh, of Aaron Rodgers scrambling or scrambling and it looks like he has enough to run not only for the first down but potentially for the touchdown as well um I personally believe that Aaron Rod like I've seen the picture 
I know it looks like he can get, but that's just a picture. In real time, you're going to tell me that one of the Buccaneers defenders wouldn't have caught up to him and tackled him and brought him down? I don't believe. I believe that they probably would have at least caught up to him and you know, caught for loss. Yeah, he could have run and maybe got it closer to the five, and what would have made um, would have made it an easier decision for Matt Lafleur to uh, go for it on fourth down. But um, personally, I don't really blame. Like to give Aaron Rodgers a lot of shit for you know not running in for a touchdown like that. Like it's a lot. It's you've we've never played NFL court. We're not NFL quarterbacks, so we don't know what it's like in that moment where they're looking out on the field like that. And all, it's 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 a big you know it's a big ask. Like we we don't know what it's like to be in that situation. So for us to sit here back here and play Monday morning quarterback like that is unfair to Aaron Rodgers. I'll say it right now. I I don't think it. I think it's you know unfair to the man. Um, he was an MVP this season, and we shouldn't judge him just because he didn't run it in on fourth on third down like that. Because he probably would have gotten tackled. That's all I have to say on that. I, I personally think Aaron Rodgers, if he had run, he probably would have gotten stopped. That's my personal belief. I like I don't care what the picture says. There's no doubt. Like he would have gotten tackled somewhere now. I will say if he like I said if he had run that would have and picked up a couple more yards it might have made what happened next a little easier when Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal to make it a 5 point game instead of go for the touchdown I don't understand this one at all folks this was very weird decision like I understand that you think you're going to get the ball back um with with that time left but um this is a really bad coaching call by Matt LaFleur. You've got the MVP. You've got Aaron freaking Rodgers on your team. You're going to tell me you can't go for it on fourth down? You're going to kick a field goal? Now, they did have all three of their timeouts left and the two-minute warning, but they weren't able to get the ball back. They never got the ball back. Tampa Bay was able to put the game away and clinch their spot in the Super Bowl. I would have gone for the the gone for it on fourth down. I don't understand. I was shaking my head when I saw that play call. Um I was really confused by it. Even my dad was like, what are they doing? Like I I don't understand that play call at all. You've got the MVP Aaron Rodgers Somebody who's also converted a lot of two-point conversions in his life. It's not a it's not a sure thing that they would have scored, but at least go for the touchdown. And if you don't get it, you've got your all three of your timeouts and the two-minute warning. Bad play call by Matt LaFleur. I, I don't get this one at all. But the, the Bucks um end up running out the clock. Um, there was that, that play. I actually thought this was a really smart play from the Packers at the end of the game to intentionally jump off sides, um, to give them the first down. Um, but, um, the Buccaneers still ended up running out the clock thanks to playoff Lenny and Rojo. And, um, the Buccaneers are going back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002, that Super Bowl against the Raiders, uh, in San Diego. I remember that game pretty well, actually. Um, that was a, that was a, not a very good game. But I'm hoping this one will be a little bit better against the Chiefs. Um, 
absolute respect to Tampa Bay. You know, I have to give, you know, their defense a lot of credit in this game, um, especially uh, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul um, on, on the line. Uh, those guys were great in this game. They just completely shut down the Packers off. I love Jason Pierre-Paul from his days with the Giants. So um, it's good to see him doing well uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and back in the Super Bowl. Um, first time a team has hosted the Super Bowl in their home stadium. That's pretty cool. I never thought it would happen. You know, after the Vikings lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game a few years ago when they would have had a chance to host the Super Bowl, I didn't think this would ever happen. But here we are. Tom Brady deserves a lot. Like, he, you know, they were saying it, like, in, you know, in the post-game uh, ceremony that they had on the field. Um, not very socially distant, but still um, nice to see them get their trophy. They were saying, like, you know, Tom Brady was the main reason behind this quick turnaround, but a lot of guys deserve respect too. Uh, Bruce Arians is a great coach uh, who deserves a lot of respect for getting the um, the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. Um, their GM, uh, I think his name is Jason Licht, um, also deserves a lot of credit. The owners, the Glazer family, who also own Manchester United, um, a lot of respect from the Buccaneers organization. Um, and it'll be cool. It's, I wonder how, you know, I, I wonder how if they'll have any fans, how many they'll have. I think they've limited the capacity for the Super Bowl this year to 22,000 fans. So I, I wonder how many of them will be Bucks fans. And I wonder how many of them will be Chiefs fans. But, um, you know, like I said, this was a much better game. The NFC championship game, I thought than the AFC, uh, AFC, you know, We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, this game was really a lot of fun. You know, these are two of the best, clearly the two best teams in the NFC going at it. And um, congratulations to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again for advancing to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I think they're a great story this year. And I, you know, I will say Tom Brady has become more likable since he left New England. Maybe it's because he's not in New England. Maybe it's because he's not with Bill Belichick anymore. But Tom Brady, to me, has become much more likable now that he is no longer a member of the Patriots. The only thing I'll say about Tom Brady is I wish he was wearing a mask during that. Like, this is what I was saying. That ceremony was not very socially distant. Yeah, people were wearing masks. They were all very close together. Tom Brady wasn't wearing a mask at all during the whole thing. That was a little weird. But um, I will say, overall, Tom Brady has become more likable. You know, the way he played catch with Drew Brees' son uh, last week after the game against the Saints. Um you know, I won't. I won't say I'm rooting for the the Bucks, but um, I don't. I don't wish them any ill will. And Gronk had a, a big play too. Um, after kind of a quiet game in the second half, he had that big twenty yard gain that really kind of ice uh, was a big icing play for that uh, that Buccaneers team and set up the field goal if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Gronk, after a quiet game, you know, good for Gronk to be back in the Super Bowl too. Um, Gronk has always been likable. I don't. I don't care what you say, Gronk. Um, even though he played for the Patriots, um, I, I would still say Gronk is a very likable dude. And um, I'm happy that he's in the Super Bowl, too. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, JPP. Like, there's some good guys on this on this Buccaneers team. Uh, and we will see how they, how they do in, in um, two weeks. I'm bummed we still have a bye. I thought this would be the year, with all things considered for COVID and how you want to, like, minimize travel. I kind of had a feeling this would be the year that they wouldn't have the bye week for the Super Bowl, but um, they decided to have it anyway, so I'm a little bummed about that. Um, one last thing on this game um, I'll talk about before we move on to the AFC Championship game. Um, 
is Aaron Rodgers. Um, he said um, his future is uncertain in Green Bay after the game. Um, I don't know. Chill out, dude. Chill. Just relax. Uh, to quote yourself, Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. You're not going anywhere, buddy. You're not going anywhere just yet. You just want an M- You're about to win an MVP. Now, I know they drafted Jordan Love, who is a first-round pick, and first-round, you know, quarterbacks, um, you know, when you draft one of them, it's pretty serious. You eventually you bring him in to eventually be the guy. But um, I think Aaron Rodgers will be here for at least one or two more years. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers finished his career back where his life began in Northern California, maybe with the San Francisco 49ers. That's something I would love to see. But Aaron Rodgers, as far as a member of the Packers, is not going anywhere anytime soon. So R-E-L-A-X on that. And um, thank you for listening to my coverage of the NFC Championship game. Uh, Let's move into a little talk about the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Bills. Before we move on to the AFC Championship game, just one last Tom Brady appreciation type uh, post here. Um, Tom Brady is now about to play in his 10th Super Bowl which is crazy, hard to believe. He's been in the Super Bowl for 48% of his career. That is insane. That is ridiculous. He's been in 18% of all Super Bowls played all time. That is remarkable. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention those stats because they are crazy. He's played in more Super He's won more Super Bowls. He's got six Super Bowl rings. Then Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre combined. Thank you to Michael Edgley for that statistic. Um, I believe Drew Brees has one, Aaron Rodgers has one, Brett Favre has one, Peyton Manning has two. So do the math. Yeah, that's not six. That's not six. That's five. So um, Tom Brady's the goat. Uh, but speaking of, of goats, let's talk about a young goat by the name of Patrick Mahomes, who... Um, once again, you know, we, there was a lot of questions going into this game as to whether Patrick Mahomes was healthy, whether Patrick Mahomes was ready for the Buffalo Bills, whether Patrick Mahomes could compete in this game, be as his normal self. Folks, those questions were answered in a big way last night at Arrowhead. Patrick Mahomes is proving time and time again why he is the baby goat of the NFL why he could one day be at Tom Brady's level. Part of what makes this upcoming matchup very interesting. We've got a, an all-time great in Tom Brady against somebody who could be an all-time great, who's on the precipice of becoming potentially an all-time great by the time his career is said and done, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, his weapons did a great job yesterday. Uh, Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 130 yards. I'm trying to pull up Kelsey's stats because Kelsey had another big day. Kelsey, 13 catches for 118 yards and two scores. He went to his main guy. Is there, has a quarterback, like, I know there's other weapons too, like Sammy Watkins when he's healthy and uh, Hardman, who we'll talk about Hardman in a second. But has any quarterback ever relied on two weapons the way that Patrick Mahomes relies on Hill and Kelsey. It's like it's it's Hill and Kelsey most of the time. Even when Chad Henney was out there, who did he throw to on fourth down? 
Tyreek Hill, the cheetah. The Chiefs offense is fun to watch when it is at its absolute best. And last night, folks, it was at its absolute best. Um, I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't mention the fact that the Bills did, in fact, get off to a 9-0 start in this game. Uh, Tyler Bass made a field goal um, early in the game. And then um, then I mentioned Hardman. Um, he, um, he muffed a punt. Um, that set the Bills up right in great field position, and um, they capitalized. They scored right away on the next play. Uh, Allen to Dawson Knox for a three-yard score uh, to make it 9 nothing. But was it ever really in doubt, folks? Did we ever really have any doubt that the Chiefs were going to come back in this game? We saw what they did last year against the Houston Texans, down 24 to nothing, came back, won that game, won the, ne- the next week. Against the Tennessee Titans, down 10 nothing early in the AFC Championship game. Came back, won that game. Went to the Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. Were down 10 points entering the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. They were down 10 points definitely at one point in the game. I don't know if it was entering the fourth quarter or not, but it was definitely at one point the Chiefs were down 10 points into the San Francisco 49ers. What did they do, folks? They came back and won that game. It was never in doubt last night. Hardman even made up for it right away. He got the first touchdown for the Chiefs, a three-yard score for Mahomes. And then, um, you know, we've talked about the Chiefs' passing attack, but Darrell Williams, um, he, you know, somebody who's been an underrated member of the Chiefs now for a while, you know, he could have won Super Bowl MVP last year with his performance in Miami. Um, he puts, has the touchdown run that puts him up 14-9, to and the Chiefs just never looked back from there. They never trailed again. Um, it was a pretty easy victory for them. Clyde Edwards-Elaire had a touchdown run to make it 21-9. to um, It was 21-12 at halftime. Bass made a field goal. Uh, speaking of that, let's talk about that play for a minute, too. Because um, I, I know I talked about the Packers not going for it on fourth down. But we shouldn't ignore the fact that the Bills should have gone for it on a, on a very manageable fourth down. Um, in the red zone, or, or I believe it was fourth and Cole. And they decided not to go for it. They decided to send their their kicker out, Tyler Bass, who I know had made a field goal already. But as my friend Tim Clark, frequent guest of this podcast, frequently mentioned on this podcast, and it's going to get mentioned again later in the show actually, said at the time, he was texting me, he said, you don't beat the Chiefs with field goals. And he was right. Hang on. All right, sorry about that, folks. Uh, Funny story, um, on Saturday, I went out for a few hours. I went for a walk around D.C. uh, because I could again after the inauguration was over. And when I came back, I don't know what happened. Maybe I closed my door really hard, uh, my bedroom door really hard. But when I came back to my apartment, the handles were off my door. Like, it was the weirdest thing ever. So that's why I had to uh, interrupt my podcast there for just a second. The, The maintenance person from my apartment... Um, came uh, relatively quickly, and he uh, he he fixed it. My door is now fixed, so thank goodness. I couldn't close my door for basically two nights in a row, so uh, I'm glad this is now fixed, um, and now I have a working door again. So uh, that is why I had to step out for just a minute there, folks. Um, but as we were saying, um, if I were the Bills in that situation, if I was Sean McDermott, their head coach, I would have gone for it. Um, you know, you, you just... This isn't how you you don't field goals aren't going to help you. 
they're just not good. They're not something, they're just not going to help you in this situation. And that proved to be the case. Kansas City just pretty much they did not have an answer for anything Kansas City threw at them. The closest Buffalo got the rest of the way was nine points on a Tyler Bass field goal in the third quarter that made it 24 to 15. But then Travis Kelsey left wide open, or actually I believe they did the, I called it smoked sausage. Um, I believe that's what they call the play. Um, uh, um, they were talking about this earlier in the game. Jim Nance and Tony Romo were talking about uh, the different play call names uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, and one of them is smoked sausage. And Jim Nance was like, I like smoked sausage. Um, well, that happens to be the name of the play where they where Mahomes rolls to his right, underhands the ball to Travis Kelsey, and they did that um, to give the Chiefs a 31 to 15 lead. And at that point, pretty much over going into the third quarter. Um, Kelsey caught another touchdown pass um, a couple minutes later, a five yarder where he was wide open. Uh, that made it 38 to 15. Um, Buffalo did score and. Um, they they went for two. I personally, if I were them, wouldn't it have made more sense to kick the extra point um, and go down? They would have been down thirty. If they kicked the extra point, they would have been down thirty eight to twenty two. Wouldn't it have made more sense to be down sixteen points as opposed to fifteen points? So that way you you you're set up. You score another touchdown. You get a two point conversion. They actually got the onside kick, Buffalo. So if they had made that that extra point if they had just gone for extra point instead of going for two maybe it's a completely different game maybe the ending of the game is completely different there was there wasn't a lot of time left there was only four minutes left but i thought that was very strange play calling from sean mcdermott and the buffalo bills down the stretch of this game and just really throughout this whole game you know it was no wonder the chiefs came back the chiefs are a better team they have a great coach in andy reed they've got great uh, coordinator in eric Bieniemy who will get a job someday. Someday Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach in the NFL. Whether I have to will it to make it happen or not, the guy is a great assist. He's a great offensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. You know, the Houston Texans who are the only head coaching job available in the NFL right now should pick him up. Like I don't understand why they haven't picked him up yet. Like it's just just like hire him. Somebody hire Eric Bieniemy. Do I have to say this every week? The Chiefs just continue to roll. Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, going for back-to-back championships. They are a fun team to watch. I'm, you know, if you if they win the Super Bowl, we can start talking maybe dynasty down the road. No team's ever won three Super Bowls in a row. But first they have to win two. I'm not getting ahead of myself. In fact, I still don't even know who I'm picking in the Super Bowl. I even told Robbie Gross, like Robbie wanted to do like picks on Sports on the Hill tonight for the Super Bowl. I'm like, dude, the Super Bowl's in 13 days. This is a difficult matchup to pick. I have no idea who I think is going to win. I can't make a pick. And plus, I want to save my pick for you, the audience of UFRWBB, my podcast. So um, there will be. I'm not going to make a pick on the Super Bowl f- until next week, potentially when we do a roundtable uh, next Thursday. Uh, no pick for me. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't even know who I think is going to win yet. This is a great matchup. By the way, this is the first. Super Bowl matchup in which the last two defending Super Bowl champion quarterbacks have met. How awesome is that? There are a lot of storylines going into the Super Bowl, from Tampa hosting the Super Bowl in their own stadium to that, what I just said, like the young goat versus the old goat, Brady versus Mahomes. 
It doesn't get any better than this, folks. This is the matchup we deserve this year. No disrespect to the other teams that came close. You know, I would have loved to have seen the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. I, you know, I was kind of joking with um, my dad and a few other people this weekend. I'm like, the Bills are New York's team. Let's go support New York's team, the Buffalo Bills. But um, that was all tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding when I say that stuff. Um, it would have been cool to see the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Um, I know Mike wishes the Saints would have been in the Super Bowl as well. He wishes they would have beat the Bucks, but I'm sure Mike has to be feeling somewhat good knowing that the Saints did lose to the best team in the NFC, um, the team that did eventually go on to the Super Bowl. That has to make him give him some sort of comfort and Saints fans some sort of comfort as as they go into this off season. Um, what a great matchup we've got on tap for you folks. Um, we got the right broadcasters too. We got Jim Nance and Tony Romo, the two best in the biz, in my opinion, um, calling this game. It's the weekend halftime show. Um, I'm sick of that commercial though, by the way. Um, doesn't really show a lot of social distancing. The week, that song blinding lights has been out since like April or so. So there's no situation where people weren't wearing masks. So I don't, I don't get that commercial at all. Is this like a post? covid world that we're living in here i don't know i don't really get that commercial that's uh that promotes the weekend's halftime show but i do think this is going to be a great game um you know i do think um this is going to be a fun super bowl um i'm looking forward to um you know breaking it all down um more in depth next week i would say uh i would say next week will be more of the super bowl preview week for ufrwbb um, you know, and I've, and I had a little announcement here after the Super Bowl, I think we're going down to one episode a week, um, just because there's going to be less to talk about. And, um, plus it's hard to do two episodes a week. You know, I, I did it for football season, uh, because there's, you know, games to preview and then you got games to recap, but, um, it is hard to do, um, two episodes a week and it is starting to get to me a little bit, but I, I am looking forward to, you know, breaking down the Super Bowl, um, next week with the round table and by myself as well um what a great matchup we've got on hand and uh let uh, let the hype begin um this is gonna be a different super bowl i wonder how COVID's gonna affect this super bowl honestly um we already know it's gonna be the lowest attended super bowl of all time i actually looked that up on um, wikipedia and it said at twenty two thousand people this will be the lowest attended super bowl of all time and um believe some some uh tickets are going to vaccinated uh healthcare workers which is great i love to see that uh i wonder if media day is going to be virtual one of my favorite parts of the super bowl has always been media day when um some reporters ask you know serious questions and then there's always those crazy reporters who ask ridiculous completely out of left field nonsense questions but the players still answer them it's always been a fun day it's always been a fun part of super bowl week so um, let the games begin, let the hype begin, and um, we'll be previewing the Super Bowl for the next two weeks as we get ready for Super Bowl 55. This is going to be a shorter episode than normal. There's no guest. Um, I, I don't think I said that at the beginning. There's no guest on today's episode. 
Um, so it's just me, myself, and I. I already talked about the potential Super Bowl, not the potential, the Super Bowl matchup for Super Bowl 55. Um, so the really only thing left that is, and I already, already talked a little bit about the McGregor fight as well, even though I didn't see it. Um, I guess really the only thing left for me to talk about is the Jamison Tyon trade for the Yankees that uh, went down yesterday, setting off um, what was a loaded sports day yesterday, obviously with the AFC, the NFC Championship game. The Knicks and Rangers also played. Um, for my friends who are DC fans, the Caps and Wizards played. Um, there was a lot of action yesterday um, across all the four major sports. But the Tyon trade, uh, I think, was very – I am very excited about it. Um, you know, I think he's – going to be a good pickup for the Yankees. There are some things that concern me, um, but I do like this move overall. Um, the move was um, Miguel Yaore, Rosani Contreras, Michael Escado, and Kenan Smith uh, sent to the Pirates in, a, in exchange for Jamison Tyon. Um, like I said, there are some concerns with this move. Uh, Tyon um, is coming off his second Tommy John surgery, which is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. That is a big question mark for the Yankees, um, you know, to invest in a guy who has a questionable injury history like this. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be risky for sure. Um, and, um, you know, but Tyon does have nasty stuff. Well, I think the most impressive thing for me about him um, is that he was the number two pick in the draft between Bryce Harper at one and Manny Machado at three. So he's got a lot of potential. I mean, that's a loaded draft right there. That's two of the best players of this generation, and he was drafted in between them. So Tyon, I think, definitely has a lot of potential. Um, and, um, you know, he's friends with Garrett Cole. They were they were in Pittsburgh together. Um, and um, now they're reunited in New York, which I'm sure will be good. You know, he even said, like, they seem like really good friends. Uh, Cole seemed really excited about the move. Um, so yeah, let's give this guy a chance. You know, I think it's going to be good, um, for, I think it's going to be good for the Yankees. You know, I, this rotation, it does have some question marks. It, it definitely does have some question marks, but, um, I'm very excited to see how this whole season goes. Um, it should be fun. Um, you know, Corey Kluber, Luis Severino and Jamison Tyon, I think combined to pitch one inning in 2020. That's not what you want to quote Joe Girardi, but they do have a lot of potential. Corey Kluber is a two-time Cy Young Award winner. Tyon has nasty stuff. He's won 14 games before. Luis Severino, we know what Sevy brings to the table. We've seen it. He was a 17-game winner in 2017. He was great to start 2018, too. I don't know what happened in the second half of 2018 for Luis Severino. And then there was that awful playoff start against the Red Sox, in which he forgot the start time of the game. Um, and then he was mostly injured in 2019. Uh, he came back at the end of the season. He's made a couple of playoff starts as well. Um, one against Cole, actually, in Game 3 of the ALCS. Um, then he missed all of 2020 with uh, Tommy John surgery. He's scheduled to come back, I think, in June or July. I love, I'm a big Luis Severino fan, so I'm hoping he comes back strong for the Yankees, and I'm hoping Tyon comes back strong after his Tommy John surgery as well. You know, um, I think this is a low-risk, high-reward type deal. None of the prospects, you know, I liked Yohore. Uh, I saw him a little bit. He, he, he had some garbage time moments for the Yankees this season that were, you know, good. He was good in those roles, but... um. 
overall, I, I don't think you can feel too bad about making this move if you're the Yankees. I don't think it's like that costly of a move that um, it's going to be like, oh, remember that when they made the Jamison tie-on trade? It's not going to be like Randy Johnson or Carl Pavano, God forbid, or Jared Wright, Javi Vaz. Ugh, now we're going down a, a pole wormhole of terrible Yankee starting pitchers that just give me the nightmares. But um, we'll see how tie-on goes. One other baseball move, uh, a couple other baseball moves involving the Nationals um, that I want to mention is that earlier this week they signed John Lester, who I think, um, you know, last week I, I kind of gave the guys on Sports on the Hill the rundown of what John Lester brings to the table for the Nationals. He's basically going to be their number three starter, or the number four starter at this point behind um, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. And um, which is crazy to think that John Lester, a number four starter, but that's how good the Nationals rotation is. And um, Lester will bring a lot of veteran leadership, I feel, to the Nationals. Uh, I always respected John Lester, even though he played for the Red Sox. Um, Cancer survivor who comes back, wins the clinching game of the World Series, and then the next year pitches a no-hitter. Uh, very res- nothing but respect for John Lester, three-time World Series champion, too, with the Red Sox and with the Cubs in 2016 breaking the curse. Um, I think that'll be a good move for the Nationals. And then also the move they made yesterday um, that kind of flew under the radar with all the sports happening yesterday was they signed Brad Hand, who led the American League in saves, if I'm not mistaken, last season for the Indians. So for a one-year, $10 million deal, uh, let's give Brad a hand. Yeah, let's give Brad Brad Hand a hand. Um, sorry, I just wanted to do that. Um, this is a good signing for the Nationals. Solidifies the back end of the bullpen. It officially means Sean Doolittle is not coming back for the Nationals. Um, but um, I think they'll be fine with um, with Hand and Hudson in the back end of their bullpen. Uh, I think the Nationals will be a good team in the NL East. I think they've made some some good moves this offseason. They've had to say goodbye to some key players who helped them win the World Series in 2019. But um, I think this will uh, ultimately pay off for the Nationals. Uh, NL East is going to be interesting to watch. I mean, obviously the Braves are the defending champions, almost went to the World Series last year. Um, the Mets have a new owner in Steve Cohen. Um you know, due to an unfortunate situation, they had to fire their general manager Jared Porter last week. Something I forgot to forgot to mention. Very uh, ugly situation. I don't really know if I need to get too much into the Jared Porter situation with the Mets, um, but very unfortunate. Um, and um, you know, how did the Mets not know all this stuff when they hired him? Honestly, like how did they not have an inkling about this guy when they hired him? I, I don't really understand that, but um, he's gone now. I think Steve. People were criticizing Steve Cohen for not firing him immediately, like that night, the night the Jeff Passan Mina Kime story came out. Like, chill, come on. They need to evaluate the whole. Si- they did their due diligence. They did the right thing, and they came back the next morning and said he's got to go. And so I I actually think that, that Steve Cohen and the Mets did the right thing when it comes to the Jared Poor. I think they handled it very well. So um, other than um, Sandy Alderson, unfortunately, he outed where the reporter was from. I'm not going to say where the reporter was from uh, that Jared Porter was uh, having these texts with. But um, Sandy Alderson, unfortunately, the one mistake I will say the Mets made was outing was him saying that she was from where she's from. 
uh, was a mistake, I think, and he should the Mets shouldn't have done that. But other than that, I think the Mets overall they got rid of Jared Porter very quickly and as as quickly as they could. They had to get all the facts, and um, probably the right move for them. So those are some baseball news. I don't think there's really been any. You know, um, I mentioned last week, obviously the George Springer signings with the Blue Jays and Michael Brantley resigning with the Astros. I'm really not scared of the Blue Jays, folks. I want this on the record. I am not scared of the Blue Jays at all as a Yankee fan. I still think the Yankees are the best team in the AL East. Um, solidified even more so after this weekend's acquisition of Jamison Tyon. So that is some baseball updates for you today. Alright, so now if the audio sounds weird, I'm recording on my phone because Anchor decided to log me out on my iPad and I can't remember my freaking password. I'm so angry right now, folks. I was so close to being done recording this episode on Anchor and it logs me out and it does I don't know my password. I don't like I just not letting me log back in. So I'm freaking out right now. Hopefully Anchor is um is just acting weird. Um I'm very frustrated. I, I just um, I just want to get this episode over with. Honestly, uh, I can't. Ah, so annoying. Um, but a couple more headlines uh, before we um, wrap up today's episode. Uh, Frank Lampard has officially been sacked as Chelsea manager. Um, Chelsea have been struggling a lot in their most recent um, their more recent results. Uh, it sounds like they're going to bring in Thomas Tuchel, uh, the former PSG manager. But it just goes to show you, folks. Um, if if Frank Lampard can be sacked by Roman Abramovich, if club legend, Chelsea legend, Frank Lampard can be sacked by Roman Abramovich, then anybody can be sacked by Roman Abramovich. I thought Frank Lampard was going to have that job for a really long time. I thought he was going to be the head coach at Chelsea, the manager at Chelsea for a really long time, but it wasn't meant to be. And uh, Frank Lampard is sexed. Uh, shout out to Tim Clark and my dad. They both texted me about that. So uh, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Uh, and like I said, it sounds like Chelsea is going to bring in Thomas Tuchel. So we'll see if that uh, – Thomas Tuchel, I believe he just got PSG to the Champions League final uh, just this past season. So um, we'll see if he can keep that same success going for Chelsea. Um, and, um, but man, there's no place I'd want to manage less than Chelsea. Honestly, your job security is nothing at that place, man. It is a very difficult place to manage. And, um, you know, if Frank Lampard can get fired, anyone can. So, um, that's my thoughts on the Frank Lampard. And I, I have one last shout out I want to give before I wrap up this episode of upon further review with Brian Brennan, uh, shout out to Pat Stein, former guest of the podcast and his, uh, now fiance, Becca Wethington, uh, Pat proposed over the weekend. They are engaged. Congratulations to Pat and Becca. You heard them on the podcast a few weeks ago and now they are an engaged couple. So congratulations to the two of them. Uh, I'm very excited and happy for both of them. Um, um, this is really, it's really exciting to see, see your friends fall in love like that, man. It's, it's something, it's really awesome to see. Um, so congratulations to Pat and Becca, uh, looking forward. Hopefully I'm invited to the wedding. I think I'm going to be invited to the wedding, but uh, hopefully I am, but, um, looking forward to it whenever it is. Hopefully it's when things are a little more socially distant and, um, or things aren't socially, I shouldn't say when things are a little more normal, I should say, 
Uh, that's what we really need for uh, a wedding in 20, uh, whenever they're going to have their wedding. I don't want to speculate when they're going to have their wedding. But congratulations to Pat and Becca, uh, former guests of the podcast, now engaged. Congrats to them. Tonight's NBA schedule, Monday, January 25th, we've got the 76ers and the Pistons, the Raptors and the Pacers, the Magic and the Hornets. The Heat and the Nets. I'll be watching that game. Uh, that game is at 7.30. Um, we'll see how that goes. Brooklyn's been playing a little bit better. They, I believe they actually beat the Heat in their last game uh, on Saturday. Um, but um, the, the Heat uh, obviously have a lot of talented players, so we'll see how that goes. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a split between their Saturday game and tonight. Lakers Cavaliers is at 8 o'clock. Um, Kings and Grizzlies. I mentioned the Grizzlies COVID outbreak. Um, you know, I was actually watching the Knicks game against the Kings on Friday night, and they said that the Kings, you know, next two games after they had a couple days off after that Knicks game. So um, because of, and that's because of the Grizzlies games being postponed. So um, that game would have happened tonight. It's been bagged. Uh, Nuggets Mavericks is at eight thirty. Um, that should be a good game. You know, that's a good matchup right there of two of the best two playoff teams in the West. Celtics Bulls. Spurs Pelicans, 9 o'clock start times. Timberwolves Warriors is at 10 o'clock. Thunder Trailblazers is also at 10 o'clock tonight. And um, Senators and Canucks, the only hockey game on tonight. And that's not until 10 o'clock. And it's not even on ESPN+. Plus. So you're probably not watching much hockey tonight. But um, those are your schedule updates for the NHL and the NBA. Um We'll see what I forgot to mention in the Premier League last week. I can't believe I forgot to mention that Burnley beat Liverpool, and now Liverpool I think is in a lot of trouble. They probably won't won't re- win the. I don't know if they're going to win the Premier League this year. Honestly, Liverpool, like I said, I think it could be Man City's year to take back what they feel is rightfully theirs. So um, that's just one other Premier League thought I had. Burnley came into Anfield and beat Liverpool. This is a bad loss for. Um, for Jurgen Klopp's boys. Um, so I just wanted to get that on the record. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow me on Twitter at bbrian1991. Follow me on Instagram at bbrian1991. Follow our recently revived Twitter account at UFRWBB. So, um, like I said, the roundtable, we're probably going to do an episode for th- uh, for Friday's show episode. We're probably going to do a, a roundtable. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, you know what the guys bring. Nothing but heat. So uh, stay tuned for that. And have a good night, folks. I'll talk to you next time.